Hello, and welcome to the Should I Go See It podcast, where every other Friday we take a deeper dive into the one-sentence reviews on shouldigoseeit.com. This week we'll be discussing The Last Voyage of the Demeter, Heart of Stone, and Strays. I'm your host, Bill George. With me, as always, AJ Rebecca and super producer Craig Stanton. What's up, fellas? Also be discussing how fucking fire that beat is. What an intro, huh? Do not adjust your uh, your radio dial. Did we do that out of legal necessity or creative boredom? So what's really interesting about that uh, new uh, that our new theme is that we are in the same place we were from a copyright standpoint uh, before. Oh, we are uh, because we do not own the original material there. Uh, however, but even if you even if you chop it up, much less like well, so we're a lot less likely to get flagged. By, oh, okay. like, automated, like, youtube type stuff like oh. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. However, if 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 uh, whoever wrote that original composition of bing, 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 ever were to, like, take us to court, we would obviously lose because we're still very much using it in an unauthorized way. So at least it's hot in the meantime. Yeah. I mean, we'll just go with it till it stops working, right? Shout out to my pal Colin. Colin Callahan Thanks, Colin. made Thank us you. That, little, that little beat there that we'll be using, uh, I think, from here on out. So shout out to you, Colin. Love it. Thanks again. Bill, boys, what's up? I feel like I haven't been here in a while. I listened to the last pod. You did an amazing job. Thank you. I don't even know why I'm here right now, but it's uh, it's good to see you both and to and to catch up. Yeah, we are glad to have you back. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, how was your time away? Uh, time was time away was great. Uh, two weeks down the Cape with the family, and then I had a bachelor party for my brother-in-law up in Maine as well. Okay. Oh. So my uh, liver... Um, production uh, function is just like if I got a blood panel right now they'd be like hey can we uh, we need to have a conversation it'd talk. be like the guy from Super Size Me yeah yeah. oh yeah this is exactly what it would be like <laughs> but other than that um, I am doing well it's good to see you both Love I'm, that. I'm excited to talk movies entertainment and all things Hollywood today uh, but how are you both what's new with you for me it's uh, same old just uh you know, we had a uh, a good run of movies there in June, July, and now we're starting to get back into the dregs of the fall and just working through it. Yeah. Trying to get to that thousandth review. The good times have come to an end. Yeah. But I'm pushing through it to get to that thousandth review. I'm currently at 913. Whoa. Uh, and uh, I am now seeing things that I might not normally with the goal. My goal, here's my goal. Yeah. I usually see about 80 something per year. Sure. And I need I need eighty seven right now to get to a thousand. So if you start the year marker now, if I can do a little bit more than usual, hopefully I can hit a thousand early next summer when there's some blockbusters coming out, and we can plan our thousandth review event around some sort of a big summer release that people are interested in. Yeah, yeah, that's the goal. So rock hard. A B love it. I think we should get a little bit of uh, fan input. So uh if you want to slide into the DMs of the should I go see it uh, Instagram account, we would love to hear suggestions on what we should do next summer to celebrate the 1000th 1000th mm-hmm. yeah, review uh of the should I go see it uh entity. Yep. I got uh, I got some ideas stirred up. But I think the dream scenario would be Mission Impossible Part 2, but I don't know when that's slated to come out, and because of all the strikes, and it's it's one of the things that's delayed, so that's jamming me up a little bit. Obviously, there's not gonna, so, it's not going to be a Nolan movie for the thousands, because his movies are every two to three years, and he just had one, so that's out the window, sadly. So we would just 
you would rent out an entire theater for the three of us to watch a private showing of Mission Impossible? No, my goal, the goal would be rent a theater. Okay. Rent a theater. Invite listeners, friends, family. It's all come. We watch the movie together, and then we do a live pod on the spot about the movie we just watched in front of a live audience. Oh! Holy shit. Oh! That's the dream. That's the dream scenario. How do we make that happen? Wow. Craig, I feel like you have connections in the biz that can maybe pull some strings for, like, showing theaters, etc. I mean, I know a guy. I know a guy. guy. He's got a guy. Let's be honest. So anyway, we're at 913 and counting, folks. We will... Keep you posted. Uh, and Craig, how are you? I'm doing great, buddy. Same old, same old. My wife's been away from a week. I'm kind of losing my mind. Spent a lot of time in my house. Uh, saw our movie with Bill this week. Excited to talk about that. Almost hung out with you yesterday. Then you pulled the rug right out from under us. Uh, I'm really craving some <laughs> human connection over here. So happy to be talking to you both. <laughs> Highlight of the week right now. Boys, what have you seen over the last two weeks that uh, you want to just lightly touch on. I went to the 50th anniversary of Enter the Dragon back in theaters. Bruce Lee. What the? <laughs> movie I grew up watching as a kid a million times. Uh, obviously, I uh, didn't get to see it in theaters at any point. So to see it on the big screen was quite a thrill, to be honest. It was a lot of fun. And the fact that it was like a specialty showing where there were no trailers. Like I walked in two or three minutes late because I was coming from work and it was already like, boom, 70s Warner Brothers logo. Like we're in it. Love that. Uh, which was awesome. And yeah, it was great. It was it was really, really great. Uh, digital remaster or 35 uh, mil film? It was digital. I don't know how much remastering. They didn't advertise it as any sort of special remaster. Um, it was just 50th anniversary. Love that. And, and how great is it when it's like a real 70s movie? Where people are like, hey, you jive-ass motherfucker. And he's like, you watch him <laughs> oh, now, yeah. bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the just the gratuitous nudity, the the race relations, like everything yeah. was just just of its time, no Heightened doubt. to 12. But what? Bruce Lee, man, just electric on screen, seeing him on screen. It's It's been a while since I've watched it, so it was uh, it was great. Big, big time recommend. Craig? Craig's got something on the list. Yeah, I uh, I don't really know what compelled us to do this the other night, but we watched uh, The Batman, Robert Pattinson's The Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to be honest, did not love it. Didn't even really like it. Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh, not even okay. a like. What, what was interesting about it is two things. Number one, when... Given that I was, I'm clearly very late to the game here, but when you divorce the movie from any of the hype and excitement and sort of newness and, and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, the novelty of a new Batman. The novelty, thank you. Um, and you're just watching it as a standalone movie, free from, like, a six-month hype cycle that, like, culminates in, like, going to the theater. You really come away with being like, why the hell did this movie need to be made? Which is not usually something I feel, because I think people should create stuff that, that you shouldn't need to answer that question necessarily but it was this one was seriously just like do we did we really need another did we really need another batman and i just found the tone of it the like extra gritty extra moody thing to be just so over the top and bad it's like bro hmm. with what they and it could have been cool because but i believe it was pg13 if they had just made it r and made some of the like actual kind of like gnarly villain stuff that the Riddler was doing actually gnarly on screen because it was gnarly conceptually conceptually gnarly but you didn't actually see any of that like gore and gristle (laughs) on the screen (laughs) yeah yeah. but it was 
definitely more sort of hardcore violence, quote unquote, even though, again, you didn't see it, but just the what what you knew to be happening in the movie was more hardcore than previous Batman films. But like, so they could have made it like legit horror-ish, but they didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can so, see that. So all you get is this additional tone of like brooding Robert Pattinson moodiness that I was just like, get me out of here. Also, third point, bonus point, because I said I only had two, they should have just made the they should have just done Catwoman. Like Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Now that is a movie that deserves to be made. Oh, you think a standalone Catwoman movie? Oh, okay. I yes. See. She was I mean, they didn't make her all like I was gonna say she was more interesting to the extent that she was featured like they didn't really give her much of a backstory but like wh- why did we need pattinson at all like we should have just mm. done a zoe kravitz catwoman movie because her character was cool and like that's something that's new enough anyways yeah yeah i mean it's not completely novel there's been catwoman movies before but um less catwoman movies than batman <laughs> movies certainly yeah i think that's it's an interesting point because i know when aj and i saw it you know opening weekend or whatever we came out pretty hyped and i think part of that was the build-up to it. The more distance I get from it, the more I think the length is an issue, the more story issues I find, etc. But I still... And it's just like, why? Like, the, what are we the, doing? Well, the thing that still sells it for me was the visual craftsmanship of it. Like, there's still certain sequences, I think, him coming out of the subway and beating ass on the subway platform with the music and everything. I think yeah, the car chase is yeah, amazing. Yeah. The scene in the in the underground passage that's lit only by muzzle flash. Like there are cer- certain sequences that are just so cool yeah. that I still dig it. But yeah, I do see more flaws in it now than when I was hyped about it. I, I've seen it in bits and pieces since we watched it. And to Bill's point, yeah, I think I watch it more for the visuals and the aesthetic rather than like the blow me away Batman film. Yeah. AJ, what do you, I know you got a couple things you saw. I did. I watched uh, Asteroid City and I watched the first Meg, Meg 1. Asteroid City, boys, I'm totally aligned. I think to you, Craig, we've we've hit peak. We've out Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, and it was just at points I was like, "What are we? What are we doing here?" Like, I get it, dude. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get the shtick. I think the film would have been one thousand times better if they didn't include the play within the play. If there was no black and white backstory, if it was just like this is a snapshot vignette of this weird circumstance in the 1950s in Asteroid City, I'd be like, cool, I'm here for it. But the whole Brian Cranston stage performance setup made for TV movie thing was just over the top and completely unnecessary. Now, Meg won. Yeah. (laughs) What a a rockin' film that is. Is it, though? Oh, my God. I gave it a no, and I stand by that no. Statham. Statham. Haunted past. (laughs) Dinosaurs. Wait, there were dinosaurs? Are you considering the Megalodon the dinosaur? Okay. Megalodon. Well, Megalodon is, sure. yeah, prehistoric beasts. Keep saying words. Rain More Wilson. Words. Horrible stereotypes and characterizations. <laughs> like, it's just... Salt water. It's just <laughs> synergy. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It's a summer brain-dead movie. I, I, I will give you... I, I, I really liked it. The credit I will give is that it is better than the Meg 2. I will say that. But uh, I, I stand by my no. I enjoyed it. Well, let's jump into the news. AJ, what what is in the news? In July, broadcast and cable accounted for less than 50% of all TV usage for what is apparently the first time ever. 
I think that was written incorrectly, but that's fine. Meaning, more people spent July using their TVs to stream stuff or play video games than to watch broadcast TV or cable. This is bad news for networks, especially since their fall schedules will have no new scripted TV due to the ongoing double strike. Bill, uh, we've known for a while that watching TV the old-fashioned way was dying, but what do you think of this newest nail in the coffin? You know, so the, the, the headline for this news story was that this was the worst week for broadcast television in the history of broadcast television. Like, it has reached a new nadir in terms of people not watching actual TV. Uh, and honestly, for this, I think it's just inevitable. I think the generations of people that only know how to watch live TV are going to die off. And then our generation made the transition to streaming, and everybody since then obviously is just streaming. So I think it's a matter of years, really, before broadcast and cable are that 50% goes down lower and lower and lower. Um, but what do I think about it? I think that actually this one's like a win for consumers. Like I think watching TV this way, I think is overall better. Like you do it on your ter- terms, on your timetable. You don't have to deal with ads. Uh, like, do I miss the days of everyone watching the same thing at the same time? Sure. There's a nostalgia for that that I have for sure. But realistically, I think this is just a better experience the way TV is now versus broadcast which is counter to my thoughts on movies where i feel like the old school movie theater experience is the way to go but for tv i think adapting to these times i think i've kind of come to terms with it what about you yeah i'm trying to think because i still have a cable subscription and i'm trying to think what i watch on broadcast tv and it's not that much i mean it's premium channels like we watch the food network a lot and the cooking channel a lot but like besides that and sports when sports are on especially I mean, golf is winding down, but football's winding back up. Like I'll be watching then, but I can't remember. I was like, oh, I'm I can't wait for the new the the newest season of The Good Doctor on ABC. Can't wait to watch it on Wednesday nights at nine. Like that doesn't exist in my brain. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Dude, speaking of which, we just got uh YouTube TV, which is obviously not it's like cable, but not cable, right? Right. And I have personally been a cable cutter for so long, probably the better part of 10 years now, that I've had YouTube TV for maybe almost a month now. And I, like, my TV, quote-unquote TV watching habits are so broken from 10 years of cable cutting that, like, I don't even know how to, like, watch TV anymore. (laughs) Like, I think I've literally watched PTI on ESPN like twice. Yep. And that's it. Like literally like I have all of cable at my disposal now for the first time in a decade and I just like I don't even know. Like what what would I ever do in there? Why am I paying for this? Yeah, I I besides live sports or live events like the Oscars, like those are literally the only things I would actually like pull up and watch on my cable box. I still like to watch yeah. the Sunday HBO shows at 9 on cable when they're airing. Yeah, that's the one exception I'd say. Is right, right. There's not one happening currently, but there, we as a society, we still have the capacity to like get excited about the Sunday night HBO. Thing. But otherwise, yeah, everything's evolved. Like you said, like PTI, I used to go back to my dorm room at 530 every day to watch PTI. Now I just listen to the podcast or like Billions, which is the Showtime show on that just came back on Showtime. I just have like an alert in my phone on Sunday that a new episode's out and I'll just stream it when I have a chance to. Like it's just... It's changed, I think, overall for the better. Um, and yeah, I think TV and broad- broadcast and cable are uh, are going to be are going to be done for, as this uh, data indicates. 
Here's the thing that I think we need to stop doing, and I, I think it might be antiquated, was like, oh, cut the cable and save money. If you like did a cost analysis on like what I do now with the different streaming services and stuff like that, when you add in like Fubi or whatever, or YouTube TV, like Fubo, Fubo whatever, or Tubi, like you're you're paying just as much as you were, and you probably need a hundred percent a you know a, a bigger um internet plan to be able to stream all this shit so like i don't know we'll figure it out but to your point bill yeah the money the the money factor is the money is not a factor anymore like it was originally when people were all about cutting cords now it's about just convenience yeah in in an individual household that's true if you can if you can like just case in point for me like me and my sister split the youtube tv thing because you can have five users right so like Yes, if I was paying $70 a month for YouTube TV, that's like way, that's about as much as I probably would pay for cable if I just added cable to my internet thing. But like you, what you can't do with cable is split it right. with someone else, right. right? Like it only exists in one household and only one household. You can take some of these streaming services. And although many of them are cracking down on sharing, there is still sanctioned sharing that happens within those streamers. For sure. Craig, did for you, sure. which does actually make the cost benefit thing work out. Or can, anyways. All right, this one is for you, AJ, and it comes from a Reddit article that you shared with the group. Love that. Uh, Tim Allen's long career has included the hit sitcom Home Improvement, the Toy Story franchise, Galaxy Quest, and the Santa Claus, to name a few. <gasps> All very popular, well-received projects. Uh, but do you think he will be remembered as a truly great actor or just lucky based on the quality of the work he's been merely a part of? think we've figured out that I am a Tim Allen apologist. I fucking love Tim Allen. I think the term lucky is, <laughs> I mean, yep. lucky he didn't go to prison for what, like uh, four decades for smuggling pounds and pounds of cocaine through America. Uh, sidebar, art from artist, separate them. I think he's really good at finding projects that he knows he's going to do really well in and that will have a cast that will support him. There was arguments in that that Reddit thread that was like, oh, you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas carried home improvement. And that was like armchair person typing back, like absolutely fucking not. Like Tim Allen carried that show. Like he became the symbol of like this manly yep. father, you know, of like the 1950s that people, when they think of like, you know, the, the, the brooding household man who's good with tools, like what he does, like that just became this image that he just, sunk his teeth into and did an amazing job with. And I think everything after that was excellent. And he showed his chops with that and was able to get Toy Story where there's no other voice that I can think of in my head that could be uh, Buzz Lightyear. And uh, Bill and I both this week, because of this news article, rewatched Galaxy Quest, which is still one of my favorite comedies of the, the 1990s. Like, it's just... Everything in that movie just is hilariously funny and, and makes sense and works. So no Reddit. Tim Allen is not lucky. He is a man who knows what he can and cannot do. And I think does a great job leaning into that and just creates really good stuff. I think I think two things can be true at the same time. I think he is. I think he's good. He's talented. There's no doubt that he is a gifted comedic actor. It's just inarguable. Great actor, full stop. I don't know, but great comedic actor, absolutely. Uh, but I also think he has benefited from being part of tremendous work. I think Home Improvement, I think, is the thing that needed him the most. Like, that entire show is built around his identity. So I think Home Improvement, 
100%, that's all him. Maybe you could argue the Santa Claus. But like Toy Story and Galaxy Quest, I think they both work extremely well and he's great. But I also think somebody else in those roles, Toy Story and Galaxy Quest are going to work either way. I, I've never, I'm not sitting here saying like, oh my God, I can't even picture this without Tim Allen. Like I've never, I've never said that before. But I still think he's great. And I think the work is great. So I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. I don't, I think he got very good projects. Maybe to your point, there's a skill in that. Uh, and that's part of his talent. I don't know. But I think, uh, I think he's good. And I did rewatch Galaxy Quest for the first time in a decade, at least. Sigourney Weaver. Hot. Sigourney Weaver. Outstanding. My goodness. That movie, <laughs> My. that movie works because of the superior casting. Like everybody in that movie is pitch perfect for those roles. Alan Rickman is just hilarious. Tony Shalhoub, Sam Rockwell. Tony Shalhoub's deadpan of the entire movie is just my favorite part. Absolutely incredible. I told <laughs> Hannah the other night when we after we finished watching it, she actually really enjoyed it, which I didn't think she would, but so imagine if they if they didn't do a reboot, but they did like a Galaxy Quest 2, like how much runway you could do and build up from a script if it wasn't this is a really good example of making a pg movie just really funny and well written and knowing your characters but like imagine the runway you could have is even if you bumped it up to like a pg-13 or an r rating how over the top hilarious hilarious this movie could be because you know that all of these actors in them can stay in their character but be able to kind of you know expand their you know, characters to be able to say things or do things that, you know, you just can't get away with in a PG movie. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was a, a very fun rewatch. I definitely was laughing out loud quite a bit. So that was worth it. So good call Thank out you. on that. Tim Allen, we love you. On screen. We love you on screen. On screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a pretty... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's got some things he's going through outside that... Okay, anyways, uh, last... Uh, in the news question segment idea comes from a listener, um, this time from Steven Johnson. He asks, what is one past no uh, that you would probably be a yes if you did the review again today or vice versa, uh, a previous yes that you would uh, that would be a no? And he said, in my case, AJ, what's a movie in the past that you originally didn't like but has grown on you? For me... My reviews stand as a reflection of how I felt when I first saw the movie. And I've had plenty that I've changed my mind on over the years, but I always let the reviews stand because that's, that is how I felt at the time. Only once have I ever gone back and changed a review. Uh, and that was The Town. I gave The Town a no, and I think I, was in a, I think I was in a bad mood or I was trying to be contrarian because everybody around me kept talking about it. You? No. And so, but upon reflection, I did go back. It's a really strong movie. I changed that to a yes. There are more. So like usually if I give something a no, it typically stays a no. I think, I feel like I'm pretty spot on with those, but there are definitely yeses that the more I think about them, I was too generous and I would have now changed to no's. Like some of the Marvel stuff, uh, Asteroid City, even upon more reflection, maybe could have been a no. Uh, so there's definitely, when I scrolled the site, there's definitely stuff that I would, you know, context has changed. My views have changed. But again, the site is built around, should you go see it as in right now? Like that's what it's written for. 
Uh, now, people have since told me that they like to use the site to like search for stuff or find an old review before they go on a plane. And like that's not what it was intended for. Uh, but God bless, and I love it when people tell me that. It warms my heart, but it's definitely not written that way. It's written for like in-the-moment reaction. Uh, so anyway, a couple examples of things that I would have changed or would change. AJ, go. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty set in my ways kind of guy. It's going to take a lot for, for uh, me to change that. I can't think of anything. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> you're telling me there hasn't been a movie that you liked and you watched it years later and you're like, oh man, I like this. Or vice versa. There's got to be something. I'm thinking. Craig's, Craig's got one. Craig. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I would like quote unquote give it a no, but I um one of my favorite movies for a very long time was High Fidelity with uh John Cusack and uh, sure, Jack sure, Black yep. and whatnot. Um I re- Jack Black breakout role. I really liked that movie for a really, really long time. Uh considered it my favorite movie for a period of time. I w- somewhat recently watched that and the reason I, I happened to see like a, a I don't know YouTube or something was like serving me up clips of it the other day so it's like top of my mind right now I haven't rewatched it like super recently but that movie is so fucking self-involved in John Cusack's character is so <laughs> annoying that like I don't know how I ever liked that movie in the first place I find it insufferable uh yep his character who like drives the whole film. He's just such a whiny mope that it drives me nuts. Great. Great call. Out. Jack Black's character is awesome though. And remains awesome. Oh, Jack Black's still hilarious in that. Yeah. Barry driving the uptown five. One of the greatest live performances on screen of, of all time covering. Let's get it on by Marvin Gaye. Great call. Yeah, out, Bill, I, I, great call out. Yeah. Good one, Craig. Thanks. I, uh, I pass. I don't think I have one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I, I know, I know what I know and I feel what I feel. And I'd be what I'd be. So I decided, you know. AJ's sure. AJ's like that football coach who like like Pete Carroll like throws on the one yard line and then they're asked, like, if you could go back and do it again, would you? And they're like, Yeah. yeah. I would do everything Absolutely. exactly the same because I'm perfect. Exactly. And just because it didn't work out doesn't mean it wasn't the right decision. I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> I I stick to my guns. Apparently. Would you rather be wishy washy and flippity floppity or you know, rock hard. <laughs> All right, Bill, let's go to Should I Go See It? This week we'll be talking about Please. three films, uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, Heart of Stone, and Strays. So uh, according to imdb.com, The Last Voyage of the Demeter is about a crew sailing from Carpathia, I think I said that right, to England. Um, they find that they are carrying very dangerous cargo. Bill, Should I Go See It? Uh No. Nope, this is a no. It's not bad per se. It's certainly not terrible. And it has a couple cool moments, but overall, not very strong. Um, It is a Dracula movie of sorts. You know, like you mentioned, the ship is tasked with taking private crates from Romania to England, and you can guess what's in said private crates. Uh, It's reminiscent of the first Alien movie, except you're on a ship, and instead of a xenomorph, it's Dracula. Like that's although that's that sounds awesome. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go see it. <laughs> no, but it's but it's not as good as if it was actually was that. Um, but here's the thing: it's not awesome. <laughs> but it's not awesome. But that the premise sounds awesome. Dracula himself is interesting because they depict him as either like a winged demon, uh, which they show on the posters, which kind of gives it away, or sometimes they kind of show him with like a Nosferatu kind of look hiding in the shadows. 
but a lot of that is like suit and makeup. It's actual practical effects, which is pretty cool. But then the action sequences, they flip to full CG and it's just not the best. Like it's not the best now. So it's certainly not going to age well. Um, it's a little slow. The writing's a little stilted. Um, it follows three kind of co-protagonists. Uh, one thing that was cool, the captain of the ship was played uh, by the same gentleman who played Sir Davos, the Onion Knight from Game of Thrones. Oh. So he's back on the sea. Uh, Liam Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, our old friend Dave DeSmalchin plays the first mate. And then uh, Corey Hawkins plays Clemens, who's like the real protagonist, the doctor that joins the crew at the last minute. So yeah, it's just, it's a, kind of a slow burn thriller. Uh, it's a full two hours, but there's really not enough content to merit that length. Um, it's just Dracula picking off different no-name crew nem- crew members each night, and then the next day they try to figure out what happened and then repeat, repeat, repeat. It's a classic horror movie formula. Um, and it just was not that great. I believe it. <laughs> I was never I was never actually scared at all. Like there's no there's no actual like oh. fear. There's one or two jump scares which were effectively put together, but I never really felt in the movie, it just didn't really work for me. Even though the casting was good, the concept was good, it didn't gel the way that that it. Could PG thirteen. I think it's I think it's R. Am I wrong? No, it is an R rated. It's film. R. Yeah, no, there's some there's some graphicness to it, but yeah, I don't know, didn't work for me. So especially after seeing something like Talk to Me, which we talked about in the last episode, which is such an inventive R rated horror movie, to then to go to this, which feels just very basic, um, was not a huge fan. That's kind of disappointing. I like Dracula movies. I like these kind of period pieces with, you know, mystery and intrigue. I really like Van Helsing. I don't know. That's a really poor movie, but I just, I like that type of campy horror thriller action. So it's kind of setting to hear this. Uh, Any actual redeeming qualities of the film? Uh, Some of the, some of the action stuff has cool moments. I will say that Uh, the way they use, well, the effects they use for sunlight hitting vampires, uh, similar to like Blade Two, like fucking bursting into flames in like a cool way. Um, like I said, the the effects and the look of Dracula for the most part is really cool, except when he's flying around and it's full CG. It's kind of stupid. Um, but the way they set up some of the action sequences at night of him picking off different people is like pretty cool. It's pretty well done. But again, it just kind of repeats that over and over and over, and you just kind of get sick of it. But yeah, to your point, if you're into period pieces and this type of thing, like you could definitely catch it some you know rainy Friday night on HBO, sure. But do you, is it essential viewing? Certainly not. Now it sounds like it's going to be like a campy HBO Max around uh, Halloween type thing to kind of yeah, there you go. Yeah, I love that. Um, I was going to ask you one thing: Do they tell? Do, do they show you how he gets out of the box? Like how he's released? Not really. No. I, I don't... What the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. Is that the part that interests you the most? <laughs> How he got out of a wooden crate? Yeah, I want to know, like, was it like a... Yeah, like, was someone like, Oi, I'm going to go make port. <laughs> What's in here, then? Need me some grapes. <laughs> no, I don't remember a, I don't remember a sequence like the one you're describing. <laughs> or, like, did the ship's dog, like, nuzzle the crate open with his nose? It's things like that that I find are, you know... It's important, important notes. I honestly... I honestly don't fully remember. Okay. There might have been some like turbulence, so to speak, uh, that jostled it, but I don't <laughs> even recall. Okay. Uh, next, we'll be talking about Heart of Stone, according to IMDb.com, an intelligence operative for a shadowy global peace 
gatekeeping agency races to stop a hacker from stealing its most valuable and dangerous weapon. Bill, should I go see it? Absolutely not. This is uh, this was a tough one. This was I'll be honest. This is a Netflix original, uh, which just came out. I don't always review Netflix originals, uh, but this seemed like a higher budget one. It's got Gal Gadot, and I'm trying to get to that thousandth review. Hashtag Road to 1K. And so I sat down and was like, all right, I'll watch this for the review. And boy, uh, was it tough to do that. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Gal Gadot basically in this movie gets sort of the Bond, Mission Impossible, Atomic Blonde treatment. And she's fine. But the writing is just, it's bad. It's like fifth grade reading level, tech jargon, lazy exposition, stock characters, green screen instead of locations, laughable night vision, which is just camera footage, but it's darkened with like a green grainy filter thrown on it. Like just, it's just bad. It's just really bad. Um, and she's, uh, she's got, her name is Stone. It's her last name is Stone. And her code name is the Nine of Hearts, hence Heart of Stone. Uh, and there's like a whole playing card motif in the organization that she's in. Shut the fuck it, up. They do, they basically the IMF, they do missions that the government can't. Uh, and so it's an excuse, or it attempts to be an excuse for, you know, Gal Gadot to do cool action stuff, kind of like the Extraction series, which is also a Netflix movie with Hemsworth, which I get the idea, but this one is hindered by its PG-13 rating first and foremost, and just bad stunt coordination. Like, if you're going to make a movie for the sole purpose of creating action sequences, make them good action sequences, but they don't. It's just, it's just, it's bad. It's really, it's embarrassing. Wow. It could have been written by AI, basically. It's like, just feed in every spy movie you've ever seen and just out will come this generic-ass script. I will say, there is one bright spot. Which is? Jamie Dornan, the guy from Fifty Shades. He's yeah. the, the bad guy, mini spoiler, sorry. But he is actually giving an interesting performance with some nuance. Like, he could make a really menacing Bond villain if they made a good, like, bare bones, you know, Golden Eye Casino Royale type Bond movie. He could be really good. So he was, he was interesting. He was actually interesting to watch. But otherwise, it's, it's just pointless. Uh, you think Jamie Dornan could actually be the next Bond? I mean, in, I was viewing him in the context of Bond villain based on his no villainous oh, I, yeah that I understand, but I didn't realize he was he was younger. He's from the UK. Uh, does he have a shot? I've heard that. I've heard his name. I've heard his name get bounced around, but uh, I haven't really heard it been taken super seriously. But I have heard his name come up in lists. So who knows? Interesting. All right, but that's what this movie needed was Martin Campbell directing, like Martin Campbell who directed. GoldenEye and Casino Royale, my two favorite Bonds. And then also directed The Protégé, which is one of my favorite movies from a year or so ago with Maggie Q getting this same sort of treatment of like, here's a great actress, put her in a sweet spy movie, give her a chance to do something different. And I absolutely adored that movie. And so I was hoping that this would be kind of like that, but for Gal Gadot, but it couldn't even, doesn't even touch something like The Protégé. So just watch that instead. Uh, okay. Last but not least is Strays. According to IMDb.com, an abandoned dog teams up with other strays to get revenge on his former owner. Uh, it has been hailed as the uh, cinematic equivalent of a war crime for the year 2023, year of our Lord. Bill and Craig, should I go see it? 
No. No. This is, honestly, this might be the least funny comedy I've ever seen. I'm using comedy, like, in quotes. Worse than the Muppet, R-rated Muppet movie we saw? Yes, because at least in that movie, we had that one gag about the octopus jerking off the cow. Whoa, okay. All right. We laughed out loud at that. Milking. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. But we laughed out loud at that. The we, fact that you guys have like a f- one single fond memory of this film puts it miles ahead of straight. Yeah, miles. I mean, that, that scene is burned into my brain for the rest of my entire life. So funny. Yeah, no, this movie is... Craig and I saw it together. Didn't laugh once, probably. Um, yeah, truly the Matrix Resurrections of comedies, if I were to, if I were to put it away. Wow. Uh, Craig, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, like I said, a little lonely over here. So I, uh, you know, drove out to Framingham to hang out with Bill and see a what was guaranteed to be a terrible movie on a Monday night. Uh, good hang, but... Um, this is going to sound like hyperbole, but I assure you it's not. It was the worst movie I've ever seen in a movie theater, period. Like, by a wow. wide margin. It knocked off Uncle Drew, which for many years now has been in the, the standard bearer. The standard bearer of horrible movies I've seen in theaters. Uh, this makes Uncle Drew look like Caddyshack. Like, it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's just so bad. It was just so bad. I yeah. don't know what, really what else there is to say about it. It was just the worst. It was the worst movie I've ever seen. I I will I'll break it down for AJ. the The issue with the movie is it doesn't know its audience. Like it's a solid R rating to attract adults, presumably. But then all of the writing and the humor is appealing to like thirteen year olds who presumably can't see the movie. So there's every joke is just crass and gratuitous. There's no cleverness. Uh, every joke is about is like a shit joke or a bodily function joke or a sex joke and cursing. There's layer in cursing when they don't know what else to do, and it doesn't it doesn't work. <sighs> and there's like a subtext that turns into text by the end where you know the the story quote unquote is about toxic relationships, but uh, it's just it's just a, a movie that just doesn't doesn't work. And what I don't what I like about it the least is the smugness that's brought to it. Like, they think it works. Like, there are movies that don't work, like The Meg 2, where, like, they tried, and it just didn't hit the mark. This feels like they think it's good, or they think they're being funny, and it just, I don't know, the movie just rubbed me the wrong way. Well, it's been it's written by the the same guy who did American Vandal. I don't know if you remember that uh, mockumentary on Netflix. They did a two-part one. Uh, the first part was the school prank that, Someone drew twenty like twenty seven dicks all over uh, teachers' cars. Was the first season, and the second season was someone who poisoned the school lunch with uh, laxatives, and everyone was shitting themselves in the hallways. So like that, yeah. I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure I stopped watching that show half halfway through the first season. Yeah, and from the writer the writer of that of those two things. So it seems like that's par for him. Is just really bad uh, elementary school type. Humor. Which, I mean, if you want to go for that, go for it. But rating it R and then advertising the fact that it's rated R is like, what are we doing here? Like, I, I don't I don't know what they're yeah. going for. Yeah, and, and some of the lines, like the thing that killed it for me, well, one of the things was like, these are funny actors, but like, they're dogs. <laughs> you know, 
So, so oh, go on, so, Craig. I mean, most animated movies, right? Like, if it was animation, you would have mannerisms and you would have facial expressions and you would have body language that could relay humor. This might as well have been like an an audiobook. You know what I mean? Like the if you're gonna, yeah. you basically had no visual humor whatsoever. Except for one scene where they like trip balls, but like, which wasn't funny because um, they showed it all in the trailers, anyways. But like, so it's basically like you could watch this whole movie with your eyes shut and it would still work from a comedy perspective. Like, because you don't get any additional humor from what you're seeing on the screen because it's just CGI dogs. dogs standing there with their mouths moving. So it's like, the, if you're going to do that, the dialogue has to be like so ridiculously well written and hilarious to like get away with that. And this was so far. From that, that yeah, it just like never stood a chance. I mean, if it was, it almost reminded me of like that, like Lion King remake that they did. That was just all the worse by being realistic. You know, it's like animated movies aren't broken. Like, just use the magic of animation to like do things that are not possible in real life because it's more entertaining and more dramatic and more funny, and, and not dogs. It was so bad that 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 my mind was wandering because there's nothing else to pay attention to. And so the animal piece was the only interesting piece to me because for the most part, you know, they did cut into full CG when they needed to, but it seemed like a lot of it were trained dogs on set and then they CG the, the mouth. And so I was just thinking about the fact of how well-trained these dogs are. I'm like, oh, I'd like to see a behind the scenes of just fucking four dogs and they're making a move around the set how they need them to for each shot. Like, that's more interesting to me than what was on screen, <laughs> which was obviously horrendous. The behind the scenes of the awful movie is way better than the awful movie. Yeah, and it was behind the scenes that I was making up in my head because I had nothing else to pay attention to. Uh, on the same dog talk, uh, dog talk, the opposite of Strays, I actually watched uh, The Secret Life of Pets the other day with my son the other morning. That Oh, uh, the first yeah. one? So good. good movie. Really good yeah, movie. It really understood like the the kind of um, emotion and nuances of of being a, a dog owner and dog parent. And like it was just really smart how it was written and it was super funny. So yeah, I haven't seen Strays, but if you want a really good funny dog movie that you might have missed or pet movie, Secret Life of Pets was so goddamn good. <clears throat> yep, I gave that a yes. I enjoyed it. I did not catch the sequel, but I did uh, I did like the original. Love that. All right, Bill. Yeah. Uh, on to our last segment, Netflix and Bill. Uh, what are you watching and what do you got a ticket to? Uh, so finally, a new show or new season of a show has started that I care about, which is Billions. Uh, this is season seven of the Showtime show. This is the final season. And uh, there's been two episodes so far. And it's great. I love it. I love Billions. Uh it's not for everybody, and as I watched it, I had to like learn how to watch it to, to be okay with how unrealistic it, it gets more and more unrealistic as the show goes on. But once you kind of lean into that and just have fun with it and just appreciate the cleverness of the writing and the performances uh, and just watching Paul Giamatti yell, which I could do all day, uh, I've, I'm really glad that it's back. I'm sad it's the final season, uh, but... Corey Stoll is back. Uh, Damian Lewis, they brought back from previous seasons. He had left the show uh, for personal reasons, and they wrote him back in to be here for the last season, which is cool. Um, so, yeah. So, Billions, I'm watching every Sunday. And then on Netflix, they released a couple new Untold, which are like the their version of 30 for 30, the Netflix sports docs. And I watched the one on Balco and Barry Bonds and Steroids, which was you could skip that would get a no from me because there's certainly better things out there about that era. And then I watched the Johnny Manziel, Johnny football one, and that gets a hard yes. That was a great watch. Definitely worth it. 
I've heard really good things about the Johnny Football one and how he is just a fucking loser. <laughs> he's uh he's a character. I mean, I don't care about or watch college sports at all. And so when they go back to tell you about his his career in college, that's all new to me and all the highlights are new to me. So like for me it was thrilling because it was all new and exciting. So that's why I I love watching sports stuff that it's about like documentaries about college sports because I'm not going to watch the regular actual college sports. So that part I especially appreciated, but it's well told. It's interesting. Uh, and then the last thing I watched or rewatched, because as we've talked about, there's nothing on TV. I did rewatch the John Adams HBO miniseries. Speaking of Paul Giamatti, this is probably the third time. Whoa. This is probably the third time I've watched this series. Um, Oh, it's outstanding. It's out, and it's Paul Giamatti at the peak of his powers. Like it's his best work. It doesn't get talked enough t- talked enough about, honestly, for the work he does in this. It's truly incredible. That being said, I'm obviously a huge American history buff, so I might be more attached to it than most. But yeah, loved it. Great rewatch. I don't think I've ever I've seen bits and pieces, but I don't think I've watched it all the way through. Oh, uh, you should. It's like it's only seven episodes, hour hour and change each. The casting's incredible because uh, it, it was from, I think it was from 08 maybe. So a lot of people that became stars uh, are all in it. Uh, you got like Justin Theroux in a small part and uh, the guy who plays Stannis in Game of Thrones, he plays Thomas Jefferson. Um, yeah, there's just there's great cast. Laura Linney is, as Abigail Adams is incredible. Great, great show. So that's what I have been watching. AJ, how about yourself? I mean, I've been gone. I've been, I've been, I've been, Fly by night, two ships in the night, two sheets of the wind, Understood. just living life. So <laughs> idioms, you know. Haven't really watched anything. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I plan. I'm getting caught up. I'll be honest with you. Two weeks away from work is just a lot of unshoveling shit or shoveling shit. Um, so I'm just getting caught up. But I will have some things I think on the docket for uh, for our next episode. Definitely watch the Manziel one. I'm curious your take. I will. Uh, I'll do that for you. Uh, you watch Galaxy Craig? Quest. I'll watch uh, Johnny Football. <laughs> there you go. Craig, what are you up to? I'm still grinding my way through Foundation every week. Not a good show. Uh, don't really know why I still watch, but it's easy enough. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Doing a little Mad Men rewatch. Love that. My favorite television show of all time. Um, yeah, getting into that. You know, really just exploring the space. <laughs> That's great. That's it. Uh, Bill, what do you got tickets for? So I have a ticket to see The Equalizer 3 with Denzel Washington. There's a third one? Yes, there's a third one. I'm pretty sure I gave nose to the first two. It takes place in Italy, AJ. This is in Italy, yep. Mamma mia. Uh, I think think someone said there's a flashback sequence with a DH Denzel. Not sure if that's true or not, but that could be interesting. I'm pretty sure I gave nose to the others. I don't really like these movies, but there's literally nothing else for me to buy tickets to. Hmm. Uh, But also worth mentioning... Gran Turismo, which I reviewed last week. You gave it a uh, yes. Gave it a yes. Or last episode. So like two weeks ago. Actually finally comes out this weekend, I believe. So like I saw it at a super early screening. I didn't realize it was like a three weeks early screening. Like, my God. So it's now it's finally coming out. So I almost should have saved the review for now. But to reiterate, Gran Turismo, sports movie more so than video game movie. Uh, huge fan. Highly recommend. Boys, it's good to be back. And this beat just bangs so fast. cue the beat thank you for listening to the should i go see it podcast please make sure to follow on instagram at should i go see it